Hey there, Damien Blenkinsop here with another episode of The Quantified Body. We're at episode six. In the first episode of The Quantified Body, we looked at the biometric of heart rate variability, also known as HRV, and we looked at how specifically to apply it to optimize your training and your workouts, so going to the gym, doing aerobic or heavyweight lifting types of exercise. HRV has also been researched in many other contexts. Some of these include things like stress management, general health, motivation, and willpower, and how to see how your decisions in these areas, if you're trying to improve these areas or you're trying to manage them, how you can improve the results you're getting from these areas or find out what is working and what may not be working for you. So we're going to continue to look at this area and this metric in different contexts to understand it better and how we can use it to manage different aspects of our lives. Today we're looking at using HRV in the context of stress management and also a bit of general health management as well. And we've got a great guest to talk about this subject today because she heads up the company which is currently leading the way in terms of HRV apps that look specifically at the stress management area. Rhonda Collier is CEO of Sweetwater Health. That's a company developing HRV applications for mobile platforms like the iPhone and Android. Rhonda has over 25 years experience in technology product development and founded Sweetwater Health in 2010 to focus on heart rate variability and bringing it to consumers. She's very hands-on and working with a variety of companies in the area. So there's a lot of practical details in our chat today. And she also gives us a lot of ideas on how HRV apps are going to progress over time and where it's all going. If you are stressed, and let's face it, everyone is pretty much stressed today. It's just a factor of modern society, whether we feel like it or not. HRV is a great way to get a look into that. And there's tons of practical details you can take to go back home and apply this to your life. And I'd love to hear about what you're doing if you are doing this. In the comments of the episode, please let us know what you're doing, what you'd like to do, if there's any things that we missed in the interview that you'd like to learn about. To get the show notes and the transcript of the interview and the MP3 download, you can go to thequantifiedbody.net forward slash episode six. The Quantified Body. New technologies are bringing us more and better data on our bodies every day. This data promises to help us make better decisions for better health, higher performance, less disease, and greater longevity. In The Quantified Body, we explore this promise to find out where it is creating real-world results, improving bodies, and improving lives. Hi, Rhonda. Great to have you on the podcast. Hi, Damien. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great. So I did see you briefly last year in Quantified Self. Do you go to that conference every year? Yeah, we've been the last, well, there's only been two, and we've been at both of them. And we've been presented at breakout sessions for heart rate variability, so they're pretty popular. Yeah. Do you meet a lot of other providers of HRV? Just because you've been in this segment since 2011. So how has it changed since then? How many players were there doing kind of HRV stuff back then? And how has it changed now? Are there different types of players? Because I noticed your proposition is changing a bit. Yeah. Back in the olden days, really before smartphones, heart rate variability systems were big and clunky and expensive. If you wanted to measure sort of some of the standard HRV values, like LFHF, which we can talk about. And no one really heard of them, quite frankly. I only know because that's our space. I think heart math really brought heart rate variability closer to the consumer with their M-Wave product. So they were the first ones, although theirs is actually a bit different to the standard. Yeah, theirs is different. Heart math is really more about coherence training, which is wonderful in itself. 
but they really had people talking about it in some of the more esoteric books, if you will. But I ran across HeartMath in reading some books actually for researching my thesis. So how long have HeartMath been around? Because I know you worked there for a while. Yeah, they've been around about 20 years. Yeah, for a long time. So they've got actually an extensive amount of research on heart rate variability. It's pretty interesting. And then three years ago, you had um, iFleet starting to come out. And that was really it. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. Then you have Zoomio came out with their camera sensor, which uh, not very accurate, but you know, sort of furthering the cause of heart rate variability, which is important. And moving all the way up until today, where we're seeing a few more players like iFleet, more in that space, BioForce, really not displaying all the HRV parameters like uh, Sweetwater is, more the number used for training. But I think the big news in heart rate variability is that the Samsung, the new Galaxy, is announced to measure heart rate variability. Wow, yeah, that's a big deal. And even though it's just with the camera sensor, just for your listeners, a camera sensor is never going to be accurate. Right. That is something I wanted to talk about today, because I know you plug in with a variety of sensors. And we did talk in our first episode with Andrew Flat. We spoke about some different sensors and some of the different measures. And obviously, we want to make sure people understand the practicalities and the accuracy, depending on which one they decide to go with. I think that's an important point. It is. And so even though the Samsung is using the camera sensor, they're talking about it. And now that's really great means it's showing up in the mainstream. So we're really excited. It's such an important parameter that's just been kept in the closet for some reason. Right. Let's just dive into the kind of accuracy since we're talking about it anyway, like we don't want to have to circle back. Obviously, the thing about the Samsung Galaxy is they didn't want to provide something external to the phone. They want to try and have the device within the phone. And besides a camera sensor, is there anything else you could use that would actually come with a phone that would be able to help you track heart rate? The closest idea that I could come up with for you here is there's a company called AliveCore that has an iPhone and Android case. And so it's actually EKG accurate, which is what you really need for accurate heart rate variability. And what, that's all that Sweetwater will support is anything that's close to EKG accurate. How do you establish that standard EKG? Is there a certain, I don't know, is sensitivity in terms of the speed of heartbeat it has to be able to pick up? Or how do you rate that? There's obviously the sampling rate obviously has to be twice the heartbeat. It's called the Nyquist frequency for electrical engineers. But really what you need uh, in the simple terms are accurate beat-to-beat intervals. So you're saying that it has to sample twice as fast as whatever heart rate you're trying to... At a minimum, yeah. There's something called the Nyquist frequency in electrical engineering. So if you want to get an accurate sample, digital sample, it has to be at least twice the frequency of your sampling. Right. And for normal population, what's the maximum heart rate you're trying to track? Oh, we track, gosh, as low as 30. And if you're below that, you're pretty sick and you probably aren't using our product. And then up to about 200. 200, wow. Yeah. So you have to be running. Some athletes actually get up close to that. My personal max heart rate's about 170, but people do get up in the 200. So we can measure that as well. So you have a wide range, but really it's getting accurate beat-to-beat intervals that's the most important. Yeah. Does that mean that with all of the different sensors you work with, because you have the application which interprets the data and you work with a bunch of sensors from different providers. That's right. Quite a few companies. Do you only work with providers which have 
the specification you just gave us? Do all of them fit that? That's right. That's ah, right. Okay. All right. We support off-the-shelf chest straps like a Polar or a Zephyr. And uh, there are a lot of Bluetooth heart rate monitors out there now, but not all of them work with Sweetwater. Some of them simply don't transmit RR intervals at all. And that's the beat-to-beat interval. So when I refer to RR, that means the beat-to-beat interval. Right. So you're saying some of them only track the heart rate and they don't track the difference. That's right. Okay. And then some transmit the RR intervals, but they're not accurate. Could you give us examples of that? Is it because they're dedicated to a different application or why is it? I think that a lot of the vendors are starting to realize they want to transmit RR intervals, but they haven't just spent the time on it yet, I would imagine, because we've worked with several vendors who did not have accurate RR intervals and then worked with us to get there. Their focus was to get the heart Bluetooth heart rate monitor out first with an accurate heart rate, and the RR intervals were a secondary item. And then once they worked with us, then they got those to be accurate. So that's usually either the vendor's not interested in the RR interval or they're interested in getting them accurate. Right. And you think this is something that's changing, whereas people were just kind of focused on heart rate a few years ago, three, four years ago. So these sensors came out, which didn't look at the RR now. Now, would you say most of them have got this on their agenda in some way, or is it still? No, I would say so, because there's a lot of off-brands that we haven't even heard of, much less tested, that our customers are finding and then emailing us saying that their HRV doesn't look correct. And so we go and usually write the vendor and ask them before we go purchase the item. Uh, But yeah, no, there's a lot. I'm really surprised at the number of small companies doing the Bluetooth low energy heart rate monitors. I guess because that technology is relatively cheap. So there's a lot of chest straps and things like this that come out. They haven't necessarily done the full technical specification. No, that's right. That's right. So anyone that's going to use a heart rate variability app such as Sweetbeat or Sweetbeat Life, I recommend going to our website and selecting one of those because we've tested those and we've actually measured that the RR intervals are close to being correct. So I guess the lesson here is that there's no specific industry standard used by everyone. So if you're going to get something like Sweetbeat, you should definitely go to your website, like you say, and check which ones are relevant. And it's probably going to be like that for a while, I guess. Yeah, yes. Even the ones that look like they're working, we do a detailed test. We're all engineers at Sweetwater. The founders are all three electrical engineers. And so so we're very careful about making sure that one plus one equals two And so what we'll do is do, say, a three-minute sweet beat session, and then we'll dump the RR intervals, and they better add up to three minutes. Okay. Yours is always three three minutes? Uh, For the HRV reading, yes. Yep, okay. That's for the athletic reading. But you could do five minutes or eight minutes, but the RR intervals need to add up. And some of the heart rate monitors don't. And so we work with the vendors to try to get that more accurate because we want to support them. Yeah, it's better for you. It's better for everyone if you can support more sensors. Yeah. So there's a bunch of different things coming out. There's the chest straps that we've spoken about. So you're working with Polar, 60B, Zephyr, and Wahoo. And then there's the biosensors where you have these classes that stick to you, basically. Yes. We just released our second product called Sweetbeat Life. And Sweetbeat Life works with what's called the Health Patch, which is a product by Vital Connect. And so the Health Patch looks like a big Band-Aid, about three inches long, and that is a FDA-approved uh, single-lead EKG. It also measures respiration, body temperature, body surface temperature, calories burned, accurate, by the way, because it's measuring your body temperature and heart rate. 
as well as activity. It's real doozy. It's got everything in one. We're really excited about that because we're going to get a whole bunch of new metrics and going to be able to correlate that with heart rate variability and stress and provide more information. That's great. How long does someone wear a patch like that for or how long does it work for? That's a great question because we came up with a use model that Vital Connect never considered. Their original use model was, so it comes with a separate module. The patches are disposable. And so you plug the module and stick it on. And their use model was you can wear it for three days until the battery dies. It's 24 hours. You can. Mm -hmm. Okay. If that's what you want to do. What we do is we just keep the plastic that goes on the back. And rather than have to put a chest strap on in the morning when you're doing your morning HRV reading, you actually reach over and grab your patch, stick your module in and stick it on. And so I get the patch to last for over a month. You basically have the sticky part on you and then you just plug the electronic part in every morning? I peel the Band-Aid off. It's like take the Band-Aid off. You pull the module out to save the battery. And I just have that sitting by my bedside. And in the morning, I grab the Band-Aid, I stick the module back in and stick it back on. Oh, so it sticks on and off without problem, basically. It does. And it's funny, different skin types can do it more than others. But if you're laying flat on the bed for your HRV morning reading... It works pretty well for uh, like a month. You said two interesting things there. Uh, the first thing was you said FDA approved for EKG. So do the FDA approve certain monitors, sensors, and, and say they are EKG standard? You go through a process basically to get a device a clearance. So yeah, so this particular one is FDA approved and for over-the-counter, obviously, because we're selling it to consumers. Do all of them have to be FDA approved or? No, no, this is a consumer product. Though, because we... Our product is we want to have values um, that are clinical grade. We do test to make sure they're accurate. And I do want to note that HRV is very sensitive to the data going in. So if you have the wrong RR intervals or the wrong interbeat intervals, you're not going to get accurate data. So it's super, super sensitive. So anyone interested in HRV, make sure that you're aware of, uh, that you have a quality heart rate monitor, whatever that is. Definitely. And I want to talk more about the accuracy and use cases. The other thing interesting you said, though, was that you're using it and it sounds like you're using the HRV for training in the mornings. Is that your main use for it or how else do you use it yourself? Well, I use it for HRV for training in the morning. I also use it to track my circadian rhythm. I'm really curious about what's going on with me at my, quite frankly, nap time in the afternoon. And it's very interesting. My parasympathetic nervous system actually increases in the afternoon. Is that because you have a nap? Yes, I'll back up. Heart rate variability has a circadian rhythm. And I look to be curious to see what's going on. And sure enough, at 2.30 in the afternoon, my parasympathetic or HF, HRV parameter increases. I also use it, especially early on with sweet beat. I used it while I was sitting at my desk to figure out what was going on and why I would get triggered because, you know, you're working all day and suddenly your neck hurts and you're like, what was I doing? You don't even know because we do it all the time. And so I actually learned that if a browser doesn't load when I think it should, my face gets in the screen and I tense up. (laughs) You told me about this at Quantified Self. I think everyone hates that. We just don't really realize how much. Well, the, the important point here is that if you can learn one thing that you're doing all the time, then you can reduce your stress. Yeah. Is that a HRV reading? You're using the stress monitor with your HRV app for that. Right, right. 
Okay. Previously, we've talked a bit about HRV for training. So I think the audience has a reasonable grip of that and then how that works. But we didn't look at all to the stress side, and that's a different calculation. Could you talk a little bit about what's behind that? How does it use HRV? How is it different to HRV for training calculation? Yeah, absolutely. So the HRV for training calculation is based on, okay, let me back up because I think it's better to give a, a high level overview. Heart rate variability in itself is just that, the variation of the heartbeats and the beat-to-beat intervals. It can be measured in several different ways. One is called time domain or statistical analysis, like standard deviation, root mean square of successive differences, the RMS. Those are all typical statistical measures. Then there's another way to measure the HRV, and that is called frequency domain. And this is using fast Fourier transforms. And for you engineers out there, you kind of know what that is. And looking at the frequency components of the RR intervals. And then thirdly, there's actually nonlinear, which we're not using in SweetBeat at this time. So the HRV for training uses a time domain parameter called RMSSD. And that is a measure, it turns out, of your vagal tone. And the vagus nerve is the 10th of 12 cranial nerves in the nervous system, in the autonomic nervous system. And that particular piece of the nervous system is what gets fatigued during overtraining and endurance sports. So we measure that time domain measure for the HRV for training. And you're saying you specifically use that because the research has been based mostly on that measure? Yes, that's right. So uh, just uh, one qualification on that. When you have the actual score in Sweetbeat, last time I spoke to you, uh, you said it was based on 100. Is that the natural log of RMSSD times 20, or are you using something different? I think iFleet uses the natural log times 20. Yeah, it's similar. It's similar to iFleet, but it's not the same. Right, so if you went out and got one, and then a month later, it broke whatever, and you only got a different one, then you can't have all of those values in Excel and compare it back the two months because they don't necessarily fit. No, no, and that's actually a great point, Damien, because we have people ask, why is it different in iFleet? Because we use a different algorithm. You know, we were 10,000 miles apart, having the same idea, but doing it differently. Right. So there's no industry standard. No. And it's basically because everyone's decided it was going to be better to have it on a roughly 100, 1 to 100 rating. Yeah, it's a consumer thing. But there is an industry standard for HRV, but it's in numbers that a consumer would have a hard time with. Could you give us a quick example? to? Sure. So RMSSD, depending on who you are, and HRV is very individual. While you sit there and in three minutes, it can go between, let's say, 60 and 68. And it'll sit there and vary because your nervous system is very dynamic. And then maybe the next day you get up and it's 54. So these numbers are just not easy for people to deal with. So by scaling it from zero to 100, it's just it's easier for people to understand. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. Great. The stress level. So that's the HRV for training piece. And then the stress level, we actually use the frequency calculations of HRV, and we measure the low frequency components, which correspond in simple terms to the sympathetic nervous system. Actually, it's a combination of sympathetic and parasympathetic, but mostly sympathetic dominant. And then the high frequency components, which are a measure of your parasympathetic branch of your autonomic nervous system. And so for the stress level, we look at those two and then we measure the balance between the two. So when you're sympathetic dominant, you're stressed, sympathetic or fight or flight dominant, you're stressed. You want to actually be 
sympathetic, parasympathetic balanced. But when you're really relaxing or just woke up in the morning and sort of chilling, then you actually want to see yourself being a bit parasympathetic dominant. So if you're at work, you want to be a little bit sympathetic dominant. So you're working on something, you're writing or doing a presentation. Yeah, you normally would be, but you don't want to be chronically that way. Okay. So you're saying balance would be one, one. So LF and HF would be equal. Yes. What does it get bad? What kind of ratio is starting to look bad? Is it like two to one or? Oh no, two to one is still pretty okay. You don't want to be that way 24 seven, but a lot of people are. When you start getting really bad is when you're over four five, which you'd be surprised is pretty darn common. People are even higher. And you're saying it's throughout the day. Every time you do a measure, you're always, or you're sitting at your desk, you can never, ever, ever get anywhere near three, no matter what you do. Even if you do some relaxation techniques, some people can't get it down. They can't get it down. Well, that would actually probably be me because mine, <laughs> <laughs> mine won't. But we'll get into the, like, I know it's for some specific reasons. It's not because I'm a really stressed out individual. But yeah, that would be me. And I was worried about it at first until I learned a bit more. And I spoke to you, quantified self about it, actually. What is yours, for example? What is your, you were talking about when you get stressed at your computer, what does that tend to go up to? And what would it normally be for you? I'll qualify that with, I've been meditating for a very long time. And I did a lot of coherence training with heart math for years. And so I'll qualify that, but I'm pretty balanced. Mine will go up to maybe two, three, which is really, if I'm really stressed, Otherwise, I'm usually anywhere between 0.8 to 1.5. That sounds ideal, I guess. Is that? Yeah, it is. I'm pretty balanced. I've worked hard to make my life that way, by the way. It was not always the case. I used to do chip design, which is very high pressure at Silicon Valley startup companies. I wish I had this app then because it would be interesting to see what I was running on, probably full time. I was just going to ask you, it'd be so interesting to know how that's evolved over time. Yeah. And especially if you had like, this is when I started more meditation. This is when I did this. And you could see the step downs because I recently started, I didn't really know how to track my meditation and if it was effective in any way. And I've been looking for a way to track it for a while. So these days I go to the park and I switch on HeartMath. I've been using HeartMath to just track my meditation. It seems to be getting better, but Honestly, I don't understand the difference between that and say the HRV for stress reading. Could you give me like, could I use both of these for meditation and try and track how effective my meditation is? Or, or do you think that's not a reasonable use of it? It is, but this is a great question. We get this all the time in our support questions. HeartMath is a coherence training device or app. And what that does is get you into a state, basically getting your nervous system and all your nervous system operating at a, it's called coherent, but in the frequency domain, all you have is a little bit of energy at your breathing rate of 0.1 hertz. You told me once before that this was in the LF zone. And that falls into the LF. We don't define the what makes HF and what makes LF. So LF is 0.04 to 0.15 hertz. And HF is 0.15 hertz to 0.4 hertz. That is an industry standard because we follow the HRV standards. That's what it is. And so if you do coherence training, you're going to have a huge spike if you're coherent at 0.1 hertz. And you won't have anything anywhere else because that's what coherent is. There's not going to be any energy in the HF range at all 
or anywhere else, even in the VLF range, which are the very low frequencies. So really it's at the spike there at 0.1 Hertz. And so that will show up as high stress in our app. However, if you're meditating and not doing regular breathing, if you're breathing normally, then you should be able to see your nervous system uh, actual power increase. Okay, so that could be a measure of your meditative quality. Do you mean the HF, the parasympathetic would increase? Actually, you could see the whole thing increase. It'll stay balanced, but the whole thing can increase. Uh-huh. I'll go and try this for a few days. <laughs> I go and meditate and I switch it onto the stress. And then I'd look at, there's a chart in your app, which looks at the LF and the HF and it shows it charting over time. Is that the screen you'd look at? That's right. That's right. And Sweet Beat Life actually does it in real time now. Okay. What's the difference? But doesn't show LF and HF graph in real time. Sweet Beat shows it in numbers in real time, but Sweet Beat Life, if you go to the landscape mode during on the monitor screen, shows it in real time. So it's just a little more intuitive if you're meditating to look at a graph than read numbers. Be aware though, if you've been doing heart math, you just go coherent. I, when I meditate, I just automatically go coherent now. So I don't use it for that anymore. But I do use it in Qigong. Did you say you don't go coherent in meditation anymore? I do go coherent. All I have to do is think about meditating and I'm coherent. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> right. If you look at the research, I'm not actually sure that meditation correlates with coherence all the time. And actually, if you look on the forums in various places, you see some people who've been meditating for a while and they try to use heart math or something else. And when they're in their usual meditation zone, they get a lack of coherence. They go out of coherence. And then when they focus on getting coherent, they can go into coherence. So I don't know if there needs to be more research done around that. Or do you know anything about that? Once your nervous system's trained for coherence, I'm just, this is my experience. And our other founder, Donna Lever, also, as soon as she sits down to meditate, she's not trying to go coherent. She doesn't have a device, but she go, we go coherent. Mm. If you want to, you have to be mindful about not doing that regular breathing that brings you coherence. So there's a lot of meditative techniques where you breathe in and hold at the top and focus and then let go. So you just would do a different breathing technique. Right. The breathing does seem to be essential. I make a, quite a big difference in the heart math side. In your app, let's move back to you know Sweetwater. In your app, what, does breathing make a big difference to stress numbers, the LF and the HF in, in your app? Absolutely. While we are not a coherence training device, if you go coherent, we're going to see it. And so it'll look like you'll see it once again as a spike at, at LF. And so it'll show up as a high stress. Yeah, which in your app would be red, I'm guessing. Yes, that's right. That's right. The stress levels of blue, green, yellow, orange, and red. However, you'd be able to look at your power numbers and see what you're doing. You would want to see a super high power number in the LF. Right. So in your case, when you were doing meditation specifically, you would look at the LF and the HF screen rather than the bar with the ratings. But just for general stress, like you're talking about, you want to understand a situation, like if you're stressed or not, like you're feeling a bit rough or you're looking at your screen and you're not feeling good or, or for presentation or whatever, would you use the LFHF screen or would you use the bar with the red and the yellow and so on? I think I would use the, uh, the bar initially until you become, for your listeners, definitely just use the bar. And then once you start figuring out what you're looking at, then you can actually look at the LF and HF and that can become second nature. Once you're done with the bar, then we tend to look at the geek screen at the LF and HF. Right, right. And then, as you said, higher power is good as well as the ratio. That's right. That's right. When you're really feeling kind of dragging, if you look at the power numbers, you can be 
I'm going to make numbers up. So I've had uh, listeners quote my numbers. So there's so much variety in HRV numbers. So I'm just going to use some average numbers. Some days your LF and your HF might be around 100 or less. Both of them. Yeah, somewhere around there. So is that a bad day? For me, that's a bad day. That's a low day where my energy sapped or I've done something or I'm emotionally or physically drained. Then there's other days where you're just on top of the world and you're at two or 3,000. So that's where you won't see that looking at the bar from blue to red, but you will see that looking at your numbers. My numbers would be like uh, most of the time my LF is like 1,800 and my HF is like 200 or 300. Yeah, if I'm that's lucky. good. So my HF isn't high enough. <laughs> that's right. And heart math should, over time, improve that. It definitely helps. You can feel it. I guess you recommend to do this kind of thing. But like once you identify something that's stressing you in your life, if you do a heart math session or a meditation session and use a device, then you definitely come back afterwards and you got more energy. You can get back to what you're doing. And it definitely makes a huge difference in my productivity. And so once I discovered this, I was like, wow, this is pretty much a game changer for how I work. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. And one of the reasons that we created Sweet Beat was to not only provide you with feedback that, that you would go off and meditate or chill, but to provide you with real-time feedback so you can actually right then and there go, oh, I'm doing this, and I've been doing it all the time, and I didn't even know it, and then learn to actually correct your behavior right then and there. Put your shoulders back, uncross your legs, sit back, take a deep breath at your desk, and then reset. Right. And so the idea is there, like, then you can be watching the screen and you can watch when your numbers readjust to go back to normal. So then you can tell when you're in a better state. That's right. That's right. And then next time, Sweetbeat gives you an alert if you change your stress state. You can program it to do that. And so that's how I learned about the screen thing. People, other customers have used it while they're driving and they start going beep and uh, they realize that they've just stressed out over something that they deal with every day. And so it brings to consciousness, things that have been previously unconscious that are contributing to heart disease and hypertension in middle age. Would you say, is this the most common use case? Because I was going to ask you about what do you find people using the most? And I guess you have this big database now with everyone's data, which I'm not even sure if you've come to grips with because you all this data. And We have not come to grips with it yet. It's uh, going to be just a huge issue. What we do do is when customers write in and want to know about their data, we can help them with an analysis by, if we have time, we go ahead and look at some of their sessions and give them a sort of a bird's eye view of what's going on for them. And so we're still doing that. Yeah. But you can't do things like understand on average, what are the users using this for? Oh, we do. We've done that. Yeah. So we have a large percentage of um, the uh, micro market is uh, elite athletes and even fitness enthusiasts using it to guide their training. Right. So that's every morning as soon as they wake up. That's that group. That group is also using it throughout the day, running 20, 30 minute sessions just to see how they're doing. And then there's the other market segment, which are quantified selfers. And they're wanting to run it for like eight hours. Uh huh. To see where they spike. And yeah, absolutely. They want to run a session all day and then they want to sleep in it. They're just running it. No, they're running it constantly. No, I have to admit, when I first got mine, I wanted to do 24 hours and I was, I even wrote to you about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Your phone won't hold all the, there's a lot of data. Yeah. That's what you told me. (laughs) (laughs) But with the health patch we're working on, making that a little easier for folks. So the health patch will make the full-time monitoring 
much more accessible because it actually it's comfortable. You don't even know it's there. You can sleep in it without the strap on you, though some people don't mind. Um, I don't sleep well with the strap, but the little health patch just sits there and it's not a big deal. Anyway, the, the idea behind the eight hour or the 24 hour is people are trying to figure out and they're using the stress monitor. They're trying to figure out what kind of things are triggering them throughout the day. This is what they're doing, right? They're just mapping the whole day and they're like, hmm, one o'clock and three o'clock, I got really stressed out. What was I doing? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. And also they're tracking LF and HF. A lot of the folks that got big into looking at those numbers, because once again, the stress meter only tells you the balance of LF and HF. The numbers themselves tell you the power levels. So it's more interesting once you start looking at the LF and HF. People love the power levels. So yeah, it's really great. We're really pleased with that. Yeah. Is it more detailed to understand those than you've already described? I mean, a lot of people are probably like, they want to get their HF up higher. And, and I guess there's two ways to look. There's the baseline, where you are from day to day. And I don't know if you do kind of averages of how people evolve over time. They manage to address that kind of baseline versus... You're bringing up a really important point um, for your listeners. Because HRV has a circadian rhythm... If you're going to do a day-to-day comparison, you need to do it at the same, approximately the same time in the same position. If you are lying down and stand up, your heart rate increases to equalize the blood pressure, you know, so really your position is important. Also, your mental state will be important. So if you measure at the same time each day, but one day you're all stressed because something happened in your family, your HRV is going to be different. That's why we recommend that people do it first thing in the morning and really mindfully don't start thinking about your day because that can affect the reading. Yeah. What I do every morning now is a lying down and then I do a standing up reading as well. Which do you do? Or do you do both? Or do you just do lying down or standing up? Oh, I just do lying down. Yeah, I just do lying down. I'm laying in bed. I'm not thinking because once I get up, then my mind starts thinking about my day. And so that can affect the readings. It's really, we've done measurements where something was going on in my family. And I was just sitting here, already had the strap on. I was testing in the early days and something happened. And just from my thought and looking at what happened, my stress soared right in front of my eyes. It was kind of crazy. Our other founder, Joe Beth Dow, had the same thing happen. So really your mental and emotional state, if you're going to do the day-to-day comparison, to be mindful of that. And if you see it drop, just really go inside and go, what am I feeling sick? Am I feeling sad or upset or angry or something like that? Right, to kind of detect if it's something you were causing yourself or if it's actually the underlying how you're feeling today or something. Yeah, that's a good point. That's right. It can be physical, emotional, or psychological, or environmental. Yeah, I can definitely relate to what you're saying about it's easier when you're lying down when you first get up, then you tend not to think about so much. But I do the lying down one and then I do the standing up one and I tend to start thinking about things. And I have to kind of catch myself, especially if I'm thinking about work or something. So I think you're totally right about that. That's if you're going to do the standing one up, it's good to keep in mind at the same time. The other thing is movement. The HRV for training is a very specific three-minute reading. So you either do it lying down or standing up and, or sitting down. Do your three-minute reading and you're done. Yeah. Right. And you always do it the same just to keep it the same. How about movement? I guess some people are doing these eight-hour cycles. They're tracking all sorts of things for the day. Is it relevant to track HRV while you're moving? Is that an accurate reading? Because I had some experience with this before and I couldn't really figure it out. What's your take on that? That's another great question. You should see your heart rate variability changing through the day. When you uh, go from sitting to standing or lying down to standing, your heart rate should increase. 
And your sympathetic should increase to increase that heart rate. So you should see nice cycles throughout the day. If you're not, that's a serious problem. And that would be indicative of someone with some heart disease. You're saying if the power levels aren't changing as you're doing different things? That's right. Or even the stress level, which is the balance. Because I'll give the, I'll repeat the example. When you're lying down and standing up, when you're going supine to standing, your sympathetic nervous system kicks in to increase your heart rate, to pump your blood, to equalize the blood pressure. And that's normal. For people who have low HRV to a point that maybe it's a heart disease, they have a hard time. Their heart can't respond. Their nervous system is brittle, if you will. And so when they go from lying down to standing up, their heart rate doesn't increase the way it should. And so if you were to go throughout your day in eight hours and not see a lot of variety in your power levels and your stress levels, that would be a problem. The HRV readings are accurate in terms of the LF and the HF. It is accurate data when you're moving around. It's just that it's changing a lot. Yeah. So your HRV should go down, I guess. That's right. In this case, it's going to be the stress. So would you be more stressed when you're moving around? If I'm walking or running, is it going to be more sympathetic or can it vary per person? It really depends. We were wearing it at CES last year or the last two years. And these kind of things usually stress me out. I guess I decided that I'm not going to let trade shows stress me out anymore. I did actually, mindfully, because I'll just go bonkers. And I needed to be present to go talk to all the people we were going to meet with. And so walk. So I was walking around CES with a completely balanced green to yellow stress, which is pretty good. And really, the numbers were high. I was just in a good space. Now, if you're running and exercising, then your HRV is going to drop. That's just the nature of the beast. But it's really more about you're going to see the variation when you stand up and sit down and sit down and stand up or have an emotional stressor or anger or environmental something coming at you. Yeah. So it's not that there aren't any people using this to track their exercise. Are they tracking their HRV or their stress? Oh, these guys use it for everything. (laughs) Is there any research behind that? What kind of understanding could you get? Sweet Pete was not designed to use while you exercise. There are some things you can glean from that. In fact, you can see where you hit aerobic to anaerobic if you know what you're looking at. That's interesting. It is. It's very interesting. We just haven't pursued that, but I can see it. Could you give us a quick hack to that or is it more complicated? Yeah, no, no, it's okay. So your stress level goes up. Your whole power levels just plummet. Your HRV plummets because everything's moving so quickly. Uh And when you hit that threshold, your stress level on the color bar actually goes down when you hit that threshold. So that's the easiest way because your HF actually kicks in. Your HF, you're saying, will go up when anaerobic starts? Yeah. And remember, you're down in numbers in the teens Uh now. Uh But you will. (laughs) No, so your listeners that want to try it, yeah. Yeah, they should try that out. Look at the geek screen and watch the numbers. Pay attention, then you'll be in the red. And then suddenly when you go a little harder, it'll back down and the bars will be like in the yellow and the green. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. It'll be interesting if you guys do something with that later. And there's a bunch of research on that too. It's so dynamic. It's kind of hard to do in an app, but we think about it. I guess you'll have some complicated algorithms you'll have to develop. Yeah, it might take some more research, but it'd be interesting if you could do that because currently the tests... I looked at different uh, breath tests and so on you can do to uh, establish anaerobic threshold. And it's not easy. You have to go to the labs and mess around. So if eventually we had an app like uh, your iPhone app, that would be really, really cool. Yeah, no, I've done one and they push me too hard. I need to warm up. I do. 
And so they got completely wrong measures, said my max heart rate was like 150, which is just not true. I go to the gym and hit 165 all the time, but I need to ramp up. So starting going on a full force run in the first minute just doesn't work for my body. Yeah, it'd be cool to have an app that would let people, there needs to be a protocol because we've done enough looking into it with that, but not in the first minute. Come on. (laughs) You've probably got your hands full with all the other stuff going on. Um, in your app already so it's probably not for tomorrow right now i just wanted to go back we touched on circadian rhythm a few times saying how it distorts the figures so i want to make sure the audience doesn't get confused with that point so is there a specific pattern if i'm looking at stress over the day is there any way i can picture it in my mind so it's going to be a bit higher at this point a bit lower at this point how do you look at the circadian rhythm i guess the first thing to say is if you're doing hrv for training it should be at the same time every day I woke up at one time at four o'clock in the morning, which I sometimes do. And then other times I'll wake up at eight o'clock and I'll do my reading then. And, you know, one day I did it at four o'clock. It was completely different. It was actually a lot worse. I don't know if that fits the typical theory, but I was like, I think I better take this a bit later. It's going to be individual, but typically, and I'm just going to give you a typical case, your HRV will be higher and highest in the like 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m. And then it dips down in the early afternoon. And then it comes back up in the evening. And then it stays up during the night? or While you're sleeping, your HF really should kick in. And that's why people measure it when they're sleeping. If, it, if your HF isn't kicking in, then you're maybe not getting very good sleep. That's me, but we won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why at 4 o'clock it was terrible. So basically you give us the outline there. So in terms of stress, that would be reflected in the stress levels as well. So as you're saying in the afternoon you'd probably have the worst stress levels. It will be harder to be non-stressed in the afternoon. Is that what you're saying? Actually, I can give you me. All I have to have is research numbers. So my own, the only thing I can tell you from personally looking at the HF and LF numbers are that my HF kicks in in the afternoon, which is causes my heart rate to decrease and I'm sleepy. Is that because you trained yourself to have a nap? But everything's low. So my HF will go from maybe 3,000 in the morning down to 900. Wow. But I'm still HF dominant. So once again, that goes back to the power numbers. I mean, they're just really, once people use sweet beat and get used to the stress levels, then really dive into the power numbers because that's saying so much about what's going on for you. And so your aim there is uh, 3,000 sounds incredible Like from my, from my levels. Uh, you're saying that over time, you'd really like to get the HF up. That's the idea, increase the power of the HF. Yeah, most people want their HF up because they're sympathetic dominant and kind of chronically stressed. And so we've done a few case studies uh, with yoga. So actually, it was a young woman was one of the case studies in her early 20s who was just all stressed out, always. So her HRV was always on the low side and she was sympathetic dominant. So she did yoga twice a week for uh, six months and brought that into balance, raised her power levels and brought herself much closer to balance. How was she tracking that or how would you advise if someone's doing a long-term kind of intervention like that, but they're doing classes twice a week or they're doing meditation once every day, how would you advise them to best use the app to track that? I would do it the HRV for training. But if you're looking at LF and HF, I should mention this, it's better to have a five-minute reading or longer because our algorithm, we go, once again, we use the industry standards for heart rate variability. And there's what's called a short-term measure, which is five minutes, and a long-term measure, which is 24 hours. So our algorithm is designed for a minimum five-minute window. 
So you would want to not really use HRV for training because that's designed for the time domain accuracy. It's not the best. You're not going to get the most accurate LF and HF in a three minute, but you want a five minute. Okay. Yeah, great. So your HRV for training, it switches on and off and it does a three minute and then it's finished. It's all built in. So you don't have to worry about that. That's going to do it for you. Yeah, that's um, right. But what you're saying is for the stress monitor, it's, it's labeled stress monitor in your app, as I remember. That one, you have to do it for five minutes um, at least. Yeah. Yeah, at least. And usually you just want to put it on either right when you get up in the morning and do that or still when you're kind of relaxed somewhere, maybe watching TV in the evening or pick a time where you're kind of unwinding. And so if you're doing sort of a six month intervention, sort of pick a time a couple of times a week or every day that you go ahead and measure yourself. And then in the history and the charting, you can see what your trends are. So ideally, that's the same time every day and should be the same activity, like you're saying, if it's always watching TV. Although I think if you're watching an action film versus a, <laughs> a romantic film or something, it might have a little bit of an impact there too. So you have to watch out for that. All right, great. That's right. If you have a favorite program that you always watch, measure during that. So you mentioned yoga. Other interventions you know that people have done in your user base are examples of good things to try out in terms of experiments. What would be the top five things to have a try at raising baseline? Definitely yoga, meditation, those kind of go. Um, nutrition, of all things. Stop eating anything that's out of a box. Read the labels, and if, there, if, you, if there's an ingredient you can't pronounce, don't eat it. So you, that would be easy. It's like if you start a diet on the first of the month, then you can, over time, you would probably see some change over the next weeks if it's a positive change or a negative change. No, that's right, because our bodies are completely interdependent and interconnected. All the systems are connected to the other. Sweetbeet also has, I haven't mentioned, has a food sensitivity test, and it allows you to test for foods that you may not be allergic to, but you're sensitive to, and these foods can actually cause your heart rate to increase by quite a bit even if you're just sitting. So we have case study after case study of people sitting quietly at their desk or watching TV, relaxing, and their heart rate goes up 20 beats after eating the offending food. Did you base that on research? Where did that come from? It's called Dr. Coca's Pulse Test. I think it's called Coca's Pulse Test. And Dr. Coke, Arthur Coca was a renowned immunologist in the 50s, who founder of the Journal of Immunology. So he was quite well known at the time. And he came up with this simple test to help his wife, who was having issues where they couldn't find it in allergy tests, but they were suspecting that she was allergic. And so he came up with this pulse test for her. And so she was able to fix a whole lot of ailments by using the pulse test and eliminating offending foods. And that, so all of the inflammation and all of that interacts with cortisol, your stress cortisol. And so that's why I mentioned nutrition because it is all interrelated. And so if you're eating things that you could even be slightly sensitive to can affect your heart rate variability. Is it in peer-reviewed journals kind of research as well, or is it Dr. Coco's? And I mean, it sounds like it makes logical sense. Has anyone done any studies on it to validate it? I could not find any peer-reviewed journals on this. However, they do teach it in medical school. So a lot of allergists, they know about it. So yeah, it's very interesting that I haven't been unable to find any because we at Sweetwater go to the National Institute of Health database for our research. We want peer-reviewed research that we that back up uh, our algorithms. And so yeah, no, the Coca Pulse test, no. 
But a lot of functional medicine doctors, MDs or not, use the pulse test and are familiar with it. So it's worth trying out to see if something... Absolutely. Is there anything you would advise? I mean, you, maybe you don't know about this, but if say if something is showing up and it looks like an analogy, what would be the next step for someone to try and get more validation around that? Have you got any suggestions or is that something kind of out of your area? Take it out of your diet. If you eat something and what the app does is if you're wearing a heart rate monitor, automatically it'll take your pulse at 30, 60, and 90 minutes. And assuming you're not out running or exercising, if your heart rate increases, then that's not good. So what you would do is note that and basically remove the offending food. Yeah. So a lot of functional doctors these days advise, because a lot of the allergy tests aren't that consistent either. So a lot of them advise you on elimination anyway. So I guess if you really wanted to validate it afterwards, don't eat it for a month. Most of them. And then eat it again and see what happens to you if you feel worse and track and again, do the test with your app, for example, again, and see what happens. That's probably the best next thing to do. That's right. That's right. I wasn't testing anything, but I ate a reasonable, just a regular serving of cherries about a month ago. And I was just sitting at my desk and I was testing sweet beet for something else. I wasn't doing a food test, but I noticed my heart rate was 79. My resting heart rate's about 50. And I'm like, what is this all about? So I looked up and a lot of people are sensitive to cherries and I could feel my heart pounding. And so I am really aware of And I'm going to retest cherries. You're probably becoming a lot more aware of yourself and starting to notice more things. Because what I find is when you're using these kind of apps, it kind of, it validates tiny little like years. Like, I'm feeling a little bit off. And then it validates you. And you start to get more confidence about trusting yourself. And also you start to notice more because of that. So I think it's also, it's probably not something you're telling everyone, but using these HRV kind of apps for this kind of thing can help build your awareness of yourself over time as well. That reminds me of sort of back to what people have done to improve their HRV. Joe Beck learned that co-founder walking in the park in green. Um, she learned a few things because her HRV was on the low side when we started Sweetwater. And now, even through a whole bunch of life events, a mother passing away. And so her HRV has continued to increase through the years because she learned about things that increase it. And so she does them every day versus doing them haphazardly. Let's get back onto the, I know, what other kind of things did we miss? We talked about yoga and meditation. That's another one. We've done some research Qigong. Another one is acupuncture. So we've done lots of case studies. And actually there's, there is peer-reviewed research on acupuncture, but we've done some ourselves and your nervous system just balances And power levels increase during and after an acupuncture session. So that was another interesting one. That's quite a controversial area. I know there's a lot of functional doctors who really support it. And there's also some, there's a fair bit amount of research there. But when you bring up acupuncture, a lot of people find it controversial still. So, Well, that's changing. Um, Insurance reimburses acupuncture for people with arthritis. So Western medicine does acknowledge. That's why there are peer-reviewed, a lot of peer-reviewed papers surrounding acupuncture. They know they, they can measure that the pain receptors have changed specifically around the points and for arthritis treatment. Well, here's an interesting thing. I think acupuncture is a bit of an art. So some people might be better at it than others. Is that the way it works? Could you evaluate the quality of the acupuncture you're getting based on impact on HRV? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I have a good acupuncturist, so I see my nervous system change about 20 to 30 minutes after the needles go in, which is what you expect. Another is chiropractic. We hold our stress in our bodies. There are, once again, peer-reviewed papers on chiropractic and HRV. 
you can see whether the adjustment made a difference to you or not. So it's sort of an objective measure in general to some of these venues and treatment venues that some people are not sure of, like acupuncture and, and chiropractic. You can actually measure whether it made a difference. Yeah, so it's useful, especially if you're doing something new that you're not sure about, whether it's yoga or whatever you want to try that's new. I guess that would also help your motivation. So that's if you can see the numbers changing, this is a little thing, but it's giving you that positive feedback. You're like, oh, this is making a difference. Whereas sometimes, so that gives you more motivation just to keep at it because you can see things changing. So I know we've gone on quite long here and I wanted to make sure that we cover a couple of other things, which is your new app, because it has a, a, the correlation in particular, uh, which has been added. Is there anything else new has been added or is that the, really the main thing? Better graphing features, like I said, some of the real-time graphs, the Vital Connect patch, so you can see real-time calories burned, once again, accurate. I mean, I have a Fitbit, so don't get me wrong, but it's not accurate. Neither are the machines at the gym, by the way, but this gives a real accurate calorie burn. It also, let's see, so respiration, body temperature, calorie burn, it does measure number of steps and all that, as well as all of our HRV values. What's new in Sweet Beat Life besides the Vital Connect patch, which has all that new information for you in real time, we have a correlation feature that allows you to basically correlate your HRV, your stress levels to all the other parameters in the Vital Connect patch, as well as correlate to your Fitbit, your number of steps are taken, your calories burned, your calories eaten. We also connect to Withings, so we have the Withings scale, so your weight is in there, as well as the Withings blood pressure. One can learn is, what am I doing when my HRV is good? How many steps? How many calories? Or what am I doing when my weight is where I want or not want? I personally learned that it's not calories in versus calories out for me that helped me get to my desired weight. And we're talking three pounds here, but it's, it's important. It's the calorie out. I need to eat more and burn more. And then I actually can lose weight easier. So that was important for me. Right. So saying you saw a correlation with intake and activity levels. That's right. Burning 1,500 and eating 1,200, I didn't lose weight. But burning 1,700 and eating 1,400, I did. And so that was really important for me. And a lot of people will be concerned about what they're doing to maintain the proper blood pressure or stress levels, and so on. So it's really a great tool to bring meaning to all this data. And when did you launch this? I think it's still early stages in terms of maybe your understanding and the use cases. And- yeah, we launched it in, in May. And if anyone does decide to try out Sweet Beat Life, we have great videos embedded in all the screens now. The correlation function, we have put a lot of information on a very simple screen. So it is really important to watch the video and pay attention because once you know what you're looking at, you hit the buttons and there's all these buttons to see all this great information. You know what you're looking at. But when you first go look at it, you're not going to understand it. So please do take the time to look at the video. And that's just the nature of trying to convey a lot of information on a a small screen. And so what are your plans for this? Because right now the correlations are between data, the Fitbit data and the Wiving scale. Where's the main areas people are using correlating? And, and the Map My Fitness to measure how many METs your workouts are as well. So just adding more. First, we're going to stay with where we are right now and get customer feedback on this. Because once again, it's a lot of information crammed into one little tiny screen. And so we want to get that right first. 
and find out what's useful for the customers and then do an iteration there. And then just start adding more of the popular tracking devices. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a learn as you go because you don't know what's going to correlate either. And eventually patterns are going to pop out. And so it's going to be more interesting to integrate with some devices versus others. And That's right. And one of our favorite scenarios is the athlete that's been training using Sweetbeat, measuring all these things, let's just say blood pressure, weight, you name it, for a year, and they've got an Ironman coming up. And they, what we want to do is provide them with meaningful information of what they were doing that consistently got them into the most rested and ready state. Yeah, if, like you're saying, if they have six months of data or whatever, that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, so then they can go back and create, this is what I was doing that consistently gets me to where I want to be the morning of the race. And so this is what I'm going to do. Whose idea is this? Because I don't think anyone else is doing this yet. I mean, obviously, this is where people have been talking that things should go in terms of correlations. They've been you know, hoping that... This was our idea. Oddly enough, it came from a app challenge that we were going to do with, uh, with Qualcomm Live. And Qualcomm Live collects data from so many different devices. And so we were just going, how can we show the value of the Qualcomm Live platform? And so that's what really led us to do this at the timing that we did it. So we're very grateful to Qualcomm Life for having that app challenge when they did, because it really pushed us to get this together. And so we really are the first people creating useful information besides just a dashboard with charts for all this data that everyone's collecting. Yeah, yeah. And it'll be, you know, be interesting to users what kind of experiments they try to run and correlations they can come up with. So how many users do you have using the, the sweet beat versus the new one? It's been out since May, so I guess not that. Well, the new one's only been out since May. So we have under a thousand on Sweetbeat Live, tens of thousands on uh, of Sweetbeat. I know you've got all this data. Have you got any plans to try and sort through any of that? Uh, or What's the most exciting things that are coming up next that you can tell us about that you or you have ideas that you'd hope to do in the next two years or? I would have to kill you if I told you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might be something like that. We have yeah. lots of, we can't, yeah, no, that's all, that's all our secret roadmap. Yeah. But we're doing some really cool stuff coming up. We're so excited. That's all I can say. And the health patch has really enabled this because it opens up a whole new market of people that frankly are not going to wear a chest strap. They're just not going to put it on. And so the patch really makes it more accessible. And so that allows us to create products for a general audience beyond the quantified self hacker that will stick the strap on or the athletes that already have straps. Yeah. How much does the uh, patch cost per? So the starter kit is $199 and that comes with five patches and the electronic module. So it's, it's like 40 bucks a patch and they last, you said you were used yours. For- well, then the replacement patches are, are 20 and so a month or more, depending on what you're doing with it. The price point's high because it's a brand new product, but that's going to be coming down as the volume ramps up, obviously. Of course. So it is brand new. I mean, I saw it. It's brand spanking new. The only place you can get the health patch right now is through Sweetbeat. We're the first app out with this. Consumers can expect that that number to come down in the years to come, as the as, like I said, as the volumes ramp. Great, great. Thank you very much. Just a couple of questions more about you and the way you use data in your life. What would be your number one recommendation to someone trying to use some form of data to make better decisions about their body's health, performance, or what would be your number one recommendation? Actually, I think our correlation feature is the number one recommendation for me because it's giving you really useful information. HRV, for your listeners, should be measured along with your blood pressure, your weight, and your cholesterol because HRV perturbations 
are early indicators of something that hasn't shown up physically yet. So if you're monitoring your HRV as you go through your life and you suddenly saw a drop, a consistent drop, that there's a problem. And then with the correlation feature, you may be able to go back and see other aspects start to change with the lowering HRV. You can't take one thing in isolation. So you're using it as a discovery, a discovery of problem. That's right. That's right. That you can't see because it's sure like most health problems in our life take us by surprise. Yeah. So no, I've got the Wything scale and the blood pressure cuff and I've got a Fitbit and I use my, my fitness. And... So it's like risk management. That's right. No, that's right. That's right. And learning what I can do because sometimes, especially weight loss, people are like, I don't know. I count calories and I do this and I do that. And why am I not losing weight? And so then suddenly they'll lose a couple of pounds. And so this will give some really useful feedback. And I also want to mention on that, on that vein, getting accurate calorie burn during the day. If you're really on a serious, maybe you need to lose 40 or 50 pounds. That's a long haul. 200 calories a day is a big deal when you're tracking. And so getting an accurate calorie burn throughout the day is important. And so just really using more accurate Sweetwater Health is really about more accurate feedback for the consumers and athletes. Yeah, because there's a lot of apps out there and they're definitely not the same. I mean, I got the MyBasis watch. I, I think you know that. And I know that compares unfavorably to some of the other trackers. Oh, yeah. No, we bought a basis to check it out. And we have to wear it too tight on your wrist. It's not comfortable if you want heart rate. And it just doesn't match my outfit. Right. <laughs> and just talking about the MyBasis quickly, um, the reason you can't do heart rate variability is that they're just not sampling quick enough. Or have you looked into it? Any wrist-based device, like a Mio Alpha as well, they use pulse oximetry. So what they're looking at are the capillaries in your skin as they expand and contract. And so it's just very difficult to get very accurate beat times. Right, right. So they're taking, they're using averages to get at the heart rate and they need way, way more accuracy to get to a heart rate variability, which is more difficult than a heart rate. Yeah, because the my basis, if you start running around, it starts losing track because your heart rate's moving. So it can't even keep track of your heart rate. Well, because it's motion. So the pulse oximeters are very motion sensitive because they're basically measuring capillaries. And if you move your skin, the capillaries are moving. And so... Uh, Mio, just for those athletes, the Mio Alpha has done a terrific job of eliminating motion artifacts. You can actually use that one while you're running and still get an accurate heart rate. For heart rate, but not heart rate variability. No, and they want to do heart rate variability, but they're also engineers. And so they just know that they can't. They're struggling, but potentially one day that technology might. Potentially one day. Yeah. You can get the processing power without draining a battery and then a watch. It can be done. You've probably told us some of this already. What data metrics do you track for your own body on a routine basis, like the things that you would keep in mind every month or every six months? What are the key five things that you think are most important for yourself? I keep track of my HRV. I'm aware of my blood pressure. I'm also aware of my resting heart rate. I don't know why, but I want to know because mine actually drops low sometimes. So I'm worried on that end. It gets into the around 40 and I sort of want to keep an eye on that. I weigh myself and I'm not you know, weighing yourself every day, stupid. Sorry. I weigh myself probably once every month or two. I keep track of that. You know, you don't want to because pounds creep up and suddenly you're 10 pounds overweight. And I track my steps because I work at home and you want to make sure that you're moving your body. And I exercise every day, but man, if I don't like go out to the gym or go hike or do something like that, Thank you very much for that. It's always interesting to hear what the different people are focused on, especially when you're so involved in tracking yourself. So it's interesting to hear what you focus on. Rhonda, this has been an exceptional interview, tons of detailed information about 
how your app works and how you can use it. So thank you very much for your time today. To get more of The Quantified Body, subscribe on iTunes or go to the website theQuantifiedBody.net. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-N-T-I-F-I-E-D-B-O-D-Y dot N-E-T. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, we are at twitter.com slash quantifiedbody. And on Facebook, we are at facebook.com forward slash quantifiedbodypodcast. If you've got feedback or requests for the show, you can email them to me at damien at thequantifiedbody.net. That's D-A-M-I-E-N at thequantifiedbody.net. Thanks for joining the show this week. See you next time.